This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Car. Pass the war quickly. Down to six seconds. Car going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. We're your host, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. A very special episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. We are lucky enough to be joined by John Franklin Myers. And Michael, I want to take you back to August because we, we did a podcast and you asked who would be my breakout player of the year. And John Franklin Myers was my pick. You're also a huge fan of Franklin Myers. He's kind of a legend around this podcast. We're, we're very grateful, John, for you to take time out of your day to join us. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. I appreciate the opportunity you guys giving me this chance. Uh, it's a blessing for real. I well, appreciate I, You have a crazy story to the NFL. Let me just ask you, I mean, what was it? Uh, what was your journey like to the NFL? I know I read that you went 0-40 in high school. I know you were in, in Dallas, so it's a little different. Yeah. You went to Stephen F. Austin. They only have five drafted players since 1998. Um, so you kind of had a, an uphill battle. I read the, the uh, inspiration that your grandfather had on you. I mean, just kind of talk about your journey to, to get to the NFL, uh, let alone uh, thriving with the Jets. I mean, you know, I mean, at this point, just about everybody knows about my high school experience. Um, but, you know, that's something to learn from. You know, I use it as a learning opportunity, use it to get better each and every day, you know, despite the circumstances. Went to Stephen F. Austin after, you know, kind of making a mistake in the in the recruiting process, not really understanding how it all went, you know, but thank God um, Stephen F. Austin gave me a scholarship. Forever grateful for them, you know, uh, for giving me the opportunity. And, you know, here I am now. But, uh, I, I mean, just got better every day. Um, you know, learned from some good vets, you know, there learned at the Rams, you know, just trying to learn each and every step of the way. And I think that's a big thing for me. And I think, you know, at this point, you know, just continue to get better each and every day and, you know, keep putting good stuff on the field. Yeah. And speaking of good stuff on the film, you've obviously put plenty of it out there and we have some of your best moments here, both from your season with the Rams and with the Jets here in 2020, this play here is your first sack, first career sack with the Rams back in 2018. Yeah. So Take us through this play. What do you remember about it? And how did you get this win here against the left tackle for the strip sack? Um, well, this guy, I think Riley Reef is his name. Um, I think earlier in the game, I hit kind of the same thing, um, but was playing off of AD. So 
playing over there, you know, you can't really rush high. Um, being a rookie, I couldn't rush high. I had to make sure everything um, I played off AD and everything went well. He didn't take uh, the high B rush. So I was able to win on the edge this time. And shoot, you know, I seen the ball and I just swatted at it. You know, it was it was a crazy experience. It was like two minutes left in that game or something like that. Um, so unbelievable opportunity for me to uh, do that and, you know, help my team win. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have a knack. I mean, you kind of saw a little peek of, of the next play. And, and for our listeners, uh, just a quick reminder, you can find the video portion of this podcast on the Jets X Factor YouTube page. Um, but there'll be plenty of, of audio content to listen to. But you kind of have a knack for um, for getting after the balls, as you saw a little sneak peek of the next play we wanted to talk about. But real quick, you, you mentioned Aaron Donald. You also, your your season, your rookie season there, you played with the Dominican Sioux. What were some of the, the lessons you learned from two great veterans like that? Uh, I mean, AD taught me a lot, you know, obviously, as far as what he does day in and day out um, on the field. Sue was one of those guys that he wasn't going to talk much on the field, but off the field, he taught me a lot in the business aspect. He taught me a lot about routines. And then Brock helped me with my run game. So Michael Brock was probably the biggest influence in me because I played behind him for the most part. And then um, just, you know, you get around Aaron Donald each and every day. And I didn't even play D-Tackle until I got to the Jets. Like, this was my first year ever playing a snap at three-tech. And I just, being around AD, listening to him, seeing some of the stuff that he did. And I'm, I'm looking at this and, you know, I just want to learn and want to get better. So naturally anybody in that system is going to get better because you're watching what he does. No, you can't be him, but some of the stuff he does, you can put into your game. And that's kind of what I try to do now. You know, I was new playing three tech. So um, I think, you know, Aaron Donald taught me a lot about, you know, what I do as a three tech pass rush wise, but Michael Barkers was, you know, huge for me on the field and the run stuff. And then Indomitian Sue taught me about my routine, you know, so I continue to do those things to this day. Yeah. And we'll talk a lot more about your move inside to three tech, because that's what was so impressive about what you did this year, playing there for the first time and doing so well. But um, you did play a lot of five tech with the Rams and could be doing some more of that with Robert Sala's scheme coming in. So in the Super Bowl, you made a huge play, had a strip sack on Tom Brady. I don't think you guys recovered it, but still, you got in there for the strip sack. So uh, what do you remember about this play? And beating Joe Tooney as well, a guy who's a free agent this year and one of the best guards in the league. Hey, oh, yeah, maybe yeah, no. maybe future teammate. Maybe future yeah, teammate. Yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. I, I don't sign contracts. So. <laughs> no, but no, he's a super good player, you know. Got a chance to play against him again this year. Uh, he's, he's, he's really good, but... You know, I think this is more a cover set, you know. I mean, I'm the first one to admit, you know, when everybody else is doing their job, somebody makes a play, you know. And, you know, here I am just continue to run to the ball and just pursue. So I end up getting lucky this time. Um, but it was all because of my teammates, and I appreciate them. I mean, but what was that feeling like? I mean, you got a strip sack in the Super Bowl, the world's biggest stage against <laughs> arguably the greatest player of all time. I mean – Highlights live forever. And this is something, I mean, no matter how the rest of your career turns out, you can always, you can show your grandkids this play of you sacking Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I mean, what was that feeling? I mean, look at you when you get up. I mean, it's, it's got to be utter disbelief that that just happened. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, this, and, and the problem is it was second down. So like, you know, I couldn't really like act up like I wanted to. It was yeah. third down. I probably would have kicked out the game, you know, if I'm being real. <laughs> 
But no, nah, no, nah, it, it, was, it was exciting. You know, that's something that, you know, you watch Tom Brady your whole life. Growing up, you watch him. Um, and to play in the Super Bowl, you know, in general, to get one snap in the Super Bowl is, is an honor. Um, but to get that sack, I mean, no, nah, it, it was it was probably the best moment, you know, of my football career. I still have those gloves in that jersey hanging up. That's amazing. I mean, that's yeah, we got to You got to get a giant fat head of that photo of you just sacking Tom oh, Brady. Oh, it's I mean, on the way. It, and it's just better for Jets fans that it was that it was Tom Brady. I mean, just cause the amount of pain that man has caused the Jets fan base. <laughs> But you had a you had a relatively great rookie season. I mean, for a fourth round draft pick, you had 17 pressures. You you played well. You had a strip sack on the Super Bowl, and then it seems like you were kind of just a victim of, of a crowded room. I thought it was a very surprising cut back in 2019 when when the Rams released you. How surprised and, and caught off guard were you about uh, by that? I mean, you were a fourth round pick, and and then in a year that it wasn't like you were uh, unproductive. You actually had a, a quite a promising rookie season. They let you go. Did that catch you off guard and, and kind of take me through that prospect, uh, that process uh, of, of having a great year and then a, a bad, a bad August? I mean, you kind of understand that. I mean, the NFL is a business. Um, we end up getting a new D line coach um, and Eric Henderson, coach Henny. Uh, I mean, he, he's a good coach. You know, I won't say anything negative about him. Um, and it just, I think it was one of those things where, it's, it's hard to even speak on because I don't even know where it went wrong, you know. Um, but it just it didn't work out, you know. I mean, I seen it towards the end of the preseason. I seen, you know, I was probably headed out. Um, and, and, you know, hey, that's part of the business. You know, I know I can play football. I know what I bring to each team, you know. Um, and, hey, you know, what they say, one man's treasure, trash, another man's treasure or something. So, you know, I just kind of yes, – I sir. use that as motivation, you know. I think – when that happened, it gave me even more of a chip on my shoulder to say, like, look, man, I, I can't let this happen again. You know, I had a baby on the way. Um, and it was it was just – it was a bad situation um, when that happened. So, I used that as motivation and ended up being hurt my first year with the Jets, um, which I got that injury with the Rams. So, I came to the Jets and just – I practiced two or three weeks and they ended up putting me on IR for the year. But uh, I think that motivated me even more to be like, look, man, like they kept me on this team for a whole year and they ain't even seen me play, you know. So to put a good product on the field was a must at this point or else I don't know how much more football I have in this league. So I think now, um, you know, I'm just continuing to work hard and give them a reason to keep me around. Yeah, I mean, were you ever afraid that that you wouldn't play again? I mean, because you get cut and then you go to the Jets, they claim you, and then you're you're on IR. And, and that 2019 season had to be, I mean, obviously the hardest season of your every professional career. Uh, was there any kind of fear that like, what ends if I don't play the game again? Because you came to this 2020 season ferociously, and that you talked about the chip that that gave you, and it's very clear that you were a guy who was motivated to prove something. Was there any sort of doubts that whole 2019 season where you had to sit out, you just got cut that? you know, maybe this wasn't going to work out? Uh, no, because, I, I mean, again, I know what I could do, you know. So <laughs> it was it was like there's a level of just give me this opportunity, you right. know. And the Jets gave me the opportunity in the first three weeks of practice. You know, I, I mean, I was going crazy, hurt. Like, I was hurt, you know, and still going crazy in practice. It just got to a point where it's like, what do we do at this point? You know, do we let him rest, try to recover from his injury, or do we does he play these games at 30, 40%, you know? Like, 
it didn't make sense. So looking back on it, it was the best decision for me, you know, thankful to Joe Douglas that he gave me the opportunity and then, you know, initiated that you, that I went on IR, you know, I appreciate that because as a football player, I would never say like, Hey, put me on IR, man. Like I can't play. Like, I don't get if I can't if I could walk I could play and that's how I was that's how I went into every single day no matter how bad like my foot was hurting I just played you know and now my foot's good and you know I'm, I'm healthier now and you know it was thankful to him but you know just give me the opportunity I don't think that I ever seen it as a negative like oh man I don't know if I'm ever gonna play again because I like I figured I get an opportunity right and all you can ask for is opportunity in this life and you get this opportunity and I take advantage of it. Yeah. So, so let's move into your season with the jets and obviously the main part of it, like you said before, you were mostly playing defensive end with the Rams outside. Then you come to the jets and you were playing a lot of three tech and two eye on the inside. So what was that change? Like, how was that initiated? Which coach was that Greg Williams? Uh, was it another assistant? How, how did that process come about of you moving to the inside with the jets? Um, I mean, <laughs> I think it's kind of, I, I was first and second down, like a true left DN. So I played like, as you can see in some of these games, like I was a stand-up DN sometimes, you know, I was five tech, nine tech, whatever it may have been. Um, but it just got to the point where it's like, look, we don't want you rushing on the edge. We want you rushing inside. You know, um, it was a learning experience to me because I never, never went that, like, it goes so fast in there. You know, the guys are a lot shorter. They're a lot, you know, like, stockier, you know, whatever you may right. say, like, they take up a lot of space. So I think it was it was a learning experience to me, which I don't like, but I like to learn. So at first I was like, no, I don't know about this, you know, and then I'm like, man, look, man, I got to play football. So I'm out here playing football and it is what it is, you know. Uh, I knew I could get uh, quickness on those guys. And I realized how easier it was in end because on the inside, they all shoot their hands, you know? So once, you, once you're able to time up their punches, you're able to see what kind of setter they are. You're able to win a lot of those rushes quicker than you do at end just because, you know, you're way, you're way closer to the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, can you, can you talk about what interior pressure does um, for a defense? Because I think a lot of the edge uh, guys get a lot of the media and the fan attention because they're the guys who get generally the higher sack numbers. But as any kind of football nut will tell you, it's interior pressure that really can just destroy an entire offense. Uh, and even when we asked you about the, the sack you had in the Super Bowl, you were very um, – humble and you gave credit to, to coverage you have to be a humble and an unselfish player to play in the trenches inside three tech one tech uh, what I mean obviously we know what the transition was like um, but one what does interior pressure do for defense uh, and, and two do you mind doing the dirty work for other players to let you know a guy like Jordan Jenkins or Terrell Basham or, or maybe somebody else that they'll bring in the offseason shine off the edge because you may take up two guys inside um I mean I think interior pressure, if you ask anybody, like quarterback-wise, anybody on offense, I think those kill drives. And, you know, you wonder why, you know, a guy like Aaron Donald, like, can literally destroy a whole game is because that quarterback can't set his feet. So he's always moving. He's always tweaking his arm angle. He's always tweaking his throwing, like, his throwing motion, his feet. His feet are never set. 
because he's getting these quick wins on these guys and he's getting in his face. So I think interior pressure, you know, with me is like, how fast can I get there? How fast can me and Q work together? You know, whether it be a game, whether it be setting up a game, setting up a rush, what can we do to get pressure on this guy as fast as possible? And that's stuff that me and Q talk about all the time, you know, and then you throw a guy like Foley in there and Nathan Shepard, you know, those guys kind of come in and do the same thing. You know, we all talk, we all have these same conversations. So when that chance comes, you know, we don't miss a beat. So this one play really stands out for me out of all your plays this season, you had a lot of impressive reps, which a lot of them are in here, but this one, you beat Quentin Nelson pretty good and drew a hold on him. So what, what do you remember about this play and how were you able to uh, get a step on him here? Uh, I mean, on this, like, if you could kind of tell, like, he's damn near looking me right in my eyes. So I just, like, I just knew that he was coming to me. You know, I'm like, okay, like, you know, if I were to line up on him each and every snap, like, I know he's over aggressive. I know he's going to try to stone me at the line of scrimmage, you know, play that tough guy game. And, you know, most guys will try to play that with him, but I'm not going to do that. You know, like, you can be over aggressive. You can lunge at me. And, you know, I'll knock your hands down or I'll do something to counter your aggressiveness. So I knew he was coming straight at me. And, you know, it just it just so happened to work, you know. So here on this one, you're actually at five tech outside of the tackle. So where are you most comfortable? I, I know, obviously, you played so many different roles and made plays all over the line. But uh, where what, what position do you think you're most comfortable with? And especially going forward in this defense, uh, how do you think you fit in with what Robert Sala might do uh, with this team? Uh, I mean, they're attacking defense, you know, so really I'll play anything. But, I mean, I guess my whole career I've kind of been like first, second down, that lefty in, five, nine tech, whatever that may be. And then third downs, I'll go into three tech, you know, which kind of what I did la- last year. I say I was probably most comfortable. Um, just because I played, I played all the different positions. You know, I played the three tech, I played nine tech, five tech, I played all that. So I think that helped me out. It helped me move me around and make plays. And um, I think you guys kind of seen with Eric Armstead, um, DeForest Buckner, those guys, you know, like they do a good job of moving guys around and putting them in the best position to, you know, be successful. Yeah, I mean, I think your versatility is is probably your, your biggest strength. The fact that you're so comfortable playing uh, wherever and the fact that you were just thrown inside. Um, I mean, obviously, you'd play uh, on third down and whatnot, but the Jets really deployed you inside with, with Quentin Williams. And that was um, the first few weeks of the, of the season, or at least week one, it didn't seem like the Jets were getting any pressure. And then as the season went on, you and Quentin were doing a terrific job but consistently um, attacking the quarterback. I'm curious to know from a, from a defensive lineman's perspective I and mean, what, what are some of the things that you're looking at pre-snap? I mean, this play against the chargers um, there's a player that comes in motion. Like what are some of the things that's going on in your head when you're looking at the offensive lineman? Are there any tells that whether it's going to be run or pass um, things that you've seen on, on film, just kind of what's going through your head is, is in the 15 seconds before players you are getting to the line, you're getting in your stance. What's mm-hmm. going through your head? Um, I think, I mean, really first I'm looking at, I'm looking at stances. I mean, you know, you, you obviously take a look at the down and distance. So you have an idea of what you could be getting. And, and yeah, I think another thing that's big is how do you sort of, because like on this play, you have a player sifting across the line, trying to pick you up. Uh, I believe it's a tight end. So 
Uh, how how do you adjust between defending the run, defending the pass? Uh, when you when the run play does come, how do you sort of adjust your approach to play that, and specifically on this play against the Dolphins? Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I'm comfortable playing in. So like, I think it's more of an adjustment when I'm playing run from an inside position, where I'm like, okay, like three different guys could be hitting me right here, you know. Um, but I think on the edge, it's it's a lot simpler. You know, I mean, you get a down block, you get a block towards you, or um, you get a pass block, you know. And, you know, I mean, as soon as I see that down block, I know somebody's coming. Obviously, you know, you can not you can kind of prepare for a cut block, but sometimes that may be hard. Right. And, and you know, I think you, you've impressed me this season, I guess, with with your intelligence on the field. I mean, because that's something that that's really popped out for some guy for for somebody who hasn't had as many reps as, as other veterans across the league. You really flex your, your your football IQ, but you have become more of a veteran. I mean, now you're entering year four. Uh, you, I mean, you've really only played two seasons, but you're a veteran on this team and you're going to be expected to be a leader now that you've you've produced on the field. There are a couple of young guys on, on this team and, and specifically in the front seven. And presumably with the NFL draft, there'll be a few more. Um, but Bryce Huff, who was on the show um, back in the summer and, and Jabari Zuniga, who was a, a third round rookie last year, two young guys. I mean, you were a young guy yourself um, coming into the league. What advice have you given them, I guess? And, and what advice would you give them as far as uh, making that jump from, uh, a, a rookie or a young player who's just kind of getting his feet wet into becoming an established starter like you've done yourself? Um, again, like, like I said earlier, um, and Dominic and Sue taught me all about a routine. So, you know, routine is the biggest thing for these guys. You know, you, you, have, to, you have to establish a routine. Um, and that's kind of what I preach to them is, you know, what are you doing extra that, you know, other people aren't doing? I think with that whole thing, that's something that was big to me, you know, to tell these guys because – they're coming into the NFL and they have a thousand questions. Nowadays, you know, um, a lot of guys are prideful and I'm telling these guys, I look, man, like you got to ask those questions. You know, like Nathan Shepard is a guy who was a third round pick. He played a lot his rookie year, played a lot when he came off suspension. And if he doesn't know something, if he doesn't, if he sees me or Q doing something that he doesn't do or, you know, that he thinks he could work on or he could use, He's going to ask those questions. That's stuff that rookies normally don't do because of pride, you know? So I'm telling them, like, look, bro, this isn't about pride. This is about getting better. I'm asking Q, like, hey, bro, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? You know, what's this guy giving you? You know, um, those are the same questions I asked Brock about, AD, Sue, Dante Fowler, all these same guys. I asked questions when I was a rookie because I had no pride. Like, I'm coming from a small school. I know I got to get better. And I'm the same way now. Like, if I see somebody do something that, you know, I think I could steal or I could, you know, use in my game, I'm going to ask them about it, you know. And I think, you know, like I told, I told those young guys, I'm like, there's enough plays out here for us all to get paid. You know, there's you don't have to be selfish. You don't have to, you know, like, oh, no, this is my move. Like, it's not about that. Like, because we could all do the same move and we could all get paid off of this. You know, so don't be afraid to ask questions. And then figure out what works for you as far as your routine, you know, um, going up there extra, you know, doing extra cardio, doing extra workouts, extra film sessions when the coach is on the round, you know, stuff like that is what I do. And that just helps me get into that football mentality, 
I'm, I'm able to take extra notes, you know, um, I'm able to watch film by myself without hearing the coach, hearing other players. I just focus on it for myself. So that stuff helps me. Do some guys come into the, you mentioned that, you know, kind of it was a hypothetical, but some guys would be like, oh, that's my move. In your experience, maybe not specifically with the Jets, but maybe in college or in the pros, does that happen sometimes where guys are, you know, are worried about um, helping their teammates because maybe it'll, it'll hurt their, uh, their stock. And, and because we've heard Robert Sala and Joe Douglas talk so much the last week about building a culture. I mean, clearly what you're saying right now, goes right into that, having that culture of, of your team, your one unit. Um, but is that something that, that really exists where some guys, not necessarily as, a, as an insult to their teammates, but just uh, trying to survive themselves and trying to get paid, maybe don't realize that, you know, there's enough plays for everybody. I mean, it's not so much like, like, I don't, I, it's hard to say names, but basically in general, there could be a case where, you know, a guy does something better than the other person, but you're competing with them, you know? So, like, I'm not saying this even happened to me, but, like, when you're in competition with somebody, you got a family, like, it's one of those things where, like, you know, there's a gray area where, like, okay, I'll tell you a little bit, but, like, you know, like, you right. could take my spot and I can't feed my family. Right. <laughs> so, you understand that and... To me, that's just not the way I go about things. You know, I never have. You know, I'm like, I don't know anything about three tech. No, I don't. I want to learn, and I'm and I'm gonna learn. Um, the more I play this, and that that's the way I went into the season. I'm like, look, bro, like whatever I know, whatever AD taught me, whatever Sue taught me, whatever Brock taught me, like I'm teaching y'all. That's what it is. If you're better than me, then you take my spot, or or you know, I don't get your spot. Like that's the way I looked at it. Is like. I would never shortchange somebody learning for just because I'm in competition with them, you know? Um, but Hey, some guys do that, you know? Um, and I'm not, again, that I'm not saying that happened to me or, or I've been around that, but hearing people talk, hearing some of the stuff that goes on in this league, you can kind of understand how that would be the case. Yeah, and it's it's really exciting to hear you say that because especially after Robert Sala's press conference today, that just fits in so well with everything he was talking about, about just building strong relationships and having a good culture. It just fits in so well. But uh, we have a lot more plays here of you from the season with the Jets, a fantastic season that you had. But uh, Ben was telling me before, he thinks this is one of your best plays of the season, maybe the best. Uh, this run stuff you had against your former teammate, Le'Veon Bell here, against the Chiefs. So tell us about this one. That. <laughs> I mean, just complete destruction, great recognition, jump off the ball. How'd you get this one done? I mean, realistically, <laughs> if I'm being honest, this was Q. So Q made this play for me. Um, we actually, this was this was like third and two or something like that, third and one. I don't know what it was, but um, we, we honestly thought it was pass. So we this was actually a pass a pass game. Um, and man, he just so happened to lunge. And that's why, again, like, for example, I could do this same move on the edge and I would never make this play, but I do this move in the inside and it's a tackle for loss. So that's how much faster, you know, the game is inside. That's how much harder those guys are lunging inside, you know? So like, that's why I'm kind of like enjoying playing inside, you know, run or pass. 
just because of those little things. But honestly, Q made this play for me. You know, he called the pass rush game. He was going to wrap around me. As you can see, he's starting to wrap around me right there. Um, and shoot, it, just, it was a run. So, you know, thankful for Q. Yeah, I, I think this is, I mean, when you look at how far back you guys threw Le'Veon Bell, and I don't know if that was a little extra motivation, you know, like former teammates and whatnot. Le'Veon's obviously a cool guy, but, you know, you're on the football field, it's different. You obviously oh. experienced that when you played your, your former team this year against the Rams. Um, but I wanted to circle back just really quickly to what you were just talking about, because, and you, you just mentioned there, you just gave credit to Quentin Williams on your Super Bowl sack. You gave, you gave credit to the secondary. You're clearly a very unselfish and humble player and that really fits into that culture that the jets are trying to build how important is culture in your mind i mean i think fans hear the, the term culture we're going to build and joe douglas even said it we're going to build the best culture in all sports and i think some fans roll their eyes whatever but can you just speak to the importance of culture because you're clearly a guy who understands it and is committed not only to himself obviously you want to get better but you want the team to get better you want your teammates to get better and you want to get wins yeah, I mean, I think culture is a huge thing, you know, like you go into a place where winning isn't a thing, um, you know, or, or somebody isn't used to winning. And, and that's what you look for. You look for, you know, a dominant leader. And, and you know, Coach Sala is one of those guys that, you know, I talked to Eric Armstead, you know, I talked to um, Jordan Willis, who, who was here. You know, I talked to these guys and, you know, they're saying like, look, bro, like that man is, you know, he's he's in demand, you know, like. Guys want to play for him. We love playing for him. He's going to put people in the best positions. You know, like, he loves what he does. So I think, you know, in that aspect, you need that head coach. Um, and then Joe Douglas, you know, I can't say enough good about him just because, you know, I mean, one, he gave me an opportunity. But, you know, some of the people that he's bringing in, some of the people that, you know, like, he's putting in front of us or giving us the chance to work with, I think, you know, this is kind of one in a lifetime opportunities. And, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate, you know, they make that environment win, win or loss. Um, they make it workable, you know, like you can go into an environment where you're 0-12 and nobody really cares. Um, but that was never a thing, you know, like regardless of our record, we, we showed up when we played every day, we practiced hard. You know, I mean, this was, this was I can tell like, here in the near future, like things are going to turn around. I think with this coaching staff, with Joe Douglas, um, Christopher Johns, you know, those are all great guys. And I think we're in the process of establishing that culture. And I mean, we'll see. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's certainly something that takes time, but I, I think Michael and I both agree that this is the most optimistic we've been about the Jets leadership in, in a long time. I mean, we think we have some really competent guys leading the charge and, and it may take some time, but I really agree. I agree with you. I think this is a team on the right path. Have you spoken to, to Robert Sala at all? Has he reached out to you? Um, have you gotten a chance to talk to, to him at all? Uh, I, I spoke to him briefly. I didn't talk to him much. Just, you know, I mean, I'm not the type of – I know what he has going on. So right. my, my plans were to reach out here in the near future and just kind of, you know, talk to him a little bit more. But, you know, with the whole COVID thing and he's trying to get his stuff settled down, um, he's, he's trying to get his staff assembled, like all that type of thing. I just leave, you know, you got to let it breathe for a second. So, right. Yeah, I plan on talking to him more, you know, getting in touch with the D coordinator and D line coach. And just, I mean, me, I'm all about, you know, I mean, we've been done since January 3rd or 4th, I guess. Um, so, we're going on two or three weeks now. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, re I'm ready to, you know, I just want to see, like, I'm just, I'm ready to play football. You know, I think 
now I'm just about healed up. You know, I took some time off, got to play with my son and be around family. But it's time it's time to get going. You know, I think within the next week or so, turn it up a notch and start getting ready for this season. Yeah, That's we're all. we're ready. We're re- I mean, Salah <laughs> got us so hyped up today. All gas, no brakes. We're ready. <laughs> Good, uh, Maybe we got to make some T-shirts for that. I'm sure the Jets will, will have some all gas, no breaks T-shirts. Hey, okay. if y'all get the boards, then send me one. Oh yeah, definitely. We'll have, <laughs> okay. we'll have to do right, that once, once we get to it for sure. But 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 let's look through some of uh, some more of the plays here that we have. So here you are uh, further on the inside at two I. So um, and you get the pass deflection here against Cleveland. So uh, this is a really dominant bull rush. I mean, you just get right into Baker Mayfield's lap. Almost an interception here. Uh, I believe it's Zuniga who almost gets the interception. So yeah. um, when you when you when you get a bull rush that's this powerful, when you have a guy just falling stumbling backwards like that how do you set that up to get him in that position to where you can just control him this strongly uh I mean I think just with my game how I'm so like I'm so different from other three tech rushers that most guys will see because I don't like I mean when I'm at end you know you see me big body 290 whatever I like I may be at the time like you damn near know you you can get a sort of bull rush every play I'm out there at three tech, I'm a lot quicker than those guys. You know, I know I use that quickness. So they think I'm shooting my hands or I'm, I'm double swiping or I'm cross chopping every single time, which I try to do that so I can set up these bull rushes. So you see my games, double swipe, cross chop, double swipe, double swipe, nasty bull rush, you know, or good long arm, you know. So it's like I'm setting that up. I know, okay, like they're going to keep, they're not going to shoot their hands. They're not going to shoot their hands. I, and then I finally, I just get him on a bull rush. So that's kind of what happened with this guy is he was short set he kept short setting me and I'm double swipe, double swipe. And then, you know, I set up this bull rush. Yeah. I'm no offensive line expert, but I'm pretty sure you should never look like that as a, as an offensive guard in the <laughs> NFL. I mean, what you just did to this man. I mean, that is, that's impressive stuff. I mean, he's literally on one foot completely bent over. Um, and, and you, I mean, yeah, you, again, you get your hands in the football, which is proving to be uh, something that you're developing throughout your career. This is another uh, oppressive play. I mean, uh, I, just take us through this play. This is, I believe, your first sack of the season. Yeah. Um, and it was just, I mean, shot out of a cannon. And we just watched an incredible bull rush. And now you're beating him with your speed. You talk about part of the reason you're so effective inside is because you're so much faster than these guys. Just take us through this play. Uh, I mean, this guy, I just knew, I knew, I knew what he's going to do, you know? So that's the kind of the, the film study that I learned from Aaron Donald is seeing what kind of setter he is, how he's shooting his hands. And I knew, I knew he was going to damn near shuffle step and, uh, you know, throw his hands. I just, I mean, I just took the up and under. I mean, he didn't give me a choice here. I'm, I'm in a four eye, you know, I'm in a wide three, whatever you want to call it. You get, you, I mean, look at that a gap. So, I mean, I just took what he gave me. It wasn't nothing that was, you know, like I just took what he gave me, really. And the way he, the way he sat there, he's he's really upright. Is was this right guard? Is that his typical stance, or is this right here sort of what you noticed that he would take that wide set like that? I mean, that's that was his past stance. I mean, his run stance. That's Jr. Sweezy. Yeah. Um, I guess he had a couple who actually went to the same high school as me, by the way, which is crazy. Oh, for real? Yeah, in, in uh, North Carolina. Yeah, might be twins, huh? <laughs> I think I think he's got a few pounds on Michael. Just, just, a, just oh, no. quite, uh, just a few. Yeah, two or three. 
But uh, no, nah, I mean, he, he just, I don't know. Like, I don't know why his stance was like that, actually. Like, I've never seen nothing like that. Um, so he gave, I mean, you talk about like a pass run key. Like, imagine you see somebody standing like that. Like, you know, it's pass. So, um, I mean, shoot, I mean, you just giving, you giving answers to the test right there. Yeah, and, and like you said, right. like it's it's plays like that that really allow you to set up that bull rush when when you can make moves like that uh, against guards who are you know much slower than ta- uh, tackles typically. It's how you set up those power moves, and this was probably your one of your cleanest plays of the season. You were able to finish this one with the sack and the same guard that you beat uh, in that previous play a couple plays ago for the deflection. So uh, tell us about this one with the rip through the B gap for the sack on Baker. Um. Shoot, honestly, I'm in the two eye, and again, I'm still getting used to rushing in the inside. So, um, just kind of, I know in this game, I, I wasted a lot of rushes. You know, I'm frustrated about that. That's what kind of like motivates me to get to this next season, because you know, I go back to a game like that and I see what I wasted, regardless of you know what the stat was or whatever it may be. I'm just, I'm just frustrated. You know, like. I beat this guy a bunch of times. Half of them, I didn't get, you know, like a hit. I didn't get a sack on. But on this on this play, you know, every time I got in two wide, he was going to slam down hard and shoot his outside hand. So I just, I knew it was coming, you know, and I just knocked it down. I did it two more times before this and then two times after this. Um, but I didn't, I just didn't get a sack or a quarterback hit on those. Um, this is actually a hard play just because of like the angle. I'm going outside and trying to grab him. So I'm glad I actually got this sack. That was actually kind of frustrating. I mean, that was kind of scary. Yeah, there's no other teammates you could give credit for this. This this one was all you. I mean, a, a terrific play. And I like that you ragged all Baker at the end there. Are, are there some quarterbacks that are more satisfying to sack than others? I imagine some of them have to be annoying on the field. Baker, he may be a good actor in some of those progressive commercials, but is, is yeah. he, does he chirp on the field? Is there Are there some quarterbacks that you're just like, oh, I can't wait to get this guy? Uh, I mean, he he talked a little bit, but I think by the time he I'm a, he didn't say nothing to me. I'm gonna put it like that, like <laughs> you know, because I told him I like I, during the game. I forgot what I told him. I said something like, "Man, hey, look, you know it's coming," and then he just looked at me and you know, like shook my hand or something like that, you know. But we're we're in the same agency also, so oh, okay, that's kind of that's what made this one a little bit more satisfying. You know, I've just got to you know, clown around a little bit, but no, he's a good player. You know, I mean, who is the most uh, talkative quarterback you played against? You played against rivers in week three. So he's probably up there, but along with him, who are some of the, uh, the loudest quarterbacks? Um, I I would probably say probably one of these two, honestly, either Phillip rivers or, um, Baker, you know, like, most of those other guys didn't really talk. I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, John- I don't think Justin Herbert is doing too much chirping out there. <laughs> Who's that? Justin Herbert. I don't think you're going to hear too much from him. But he played oh. great in that game against you. He did. Didn't didn't Le'Veon Bell say that Sam Darnold talks trash? Is that true, or is that because Sam Darnold does not strike me as as a trash talker? He don't strike me as. I don't know. I don't play against him. Well, in practice, is he? He doesn't chirp at all in practice. He's just very. Sam, Sam, but not. <laughs> he knows no, better. I, I'm just, I, I, don't, I, I hope nobody talking about some practice for real. I don't, <laughs> I don't got none of that. Oh, yeah. Are the training camp fights, I don't know if you've ever, you probably witnessed a few. There's some people who are, are of the school of thought that training camp fights are good for a team and its competitiveness. Are you of the, the 
the mindset that this is just wasting time? I mean, I think so. But, you know, I mean, you, you get to a point where, like, OTAs kind of piss everybody off. And that's just because you're going through all these practices, no pads on. There's, you know, like a gray area, like, you know, some of the vets don't want, like, it's just, it's just, it's a frustrating time when you have no pads on, you got rookies coming in, they want to prove themselves, they're going extra hard with no pads on, like, so by the time training camp gets there, you know, you kind of got your people like, all right, you know, I'm about, I'm gonna whoop him, you know, when I get there, <laughs> it's on, you know, so I think that's where half of it stems from, like, I think, I want to say this year, you, you know, we only had, you know, realistic, I think maybe one or two or something like that, you know, when like right. most years you got a couple a day, you know, or every other day for sure. So I think getting away from OTAs was a good thing. And, you know, people are ready to get back to football by the time the season got here, the training camp got here. But that OTAs is big on like, you know, because imagine going against somebody going super hard then the next play, the next guy's in there barely going and then this guy's doing that, this guy's doing – so it's just – and it's without pads. So by the time you right. put on pads, it's like, all right, I got something for you. Hey, Robert Sala, it's the all gas, no breaks. I mean, I imagine that there might be some some training camp scuffles uh, this offseason. Hey, we uh, can do whatever. <laughs> I, I, there are not many guys that take over you, John, in, in a training camp fight. I mean, you got the, the length and the size. <laughs> um, but one of the things that we've heard about with Robert Sala is that – he allows his players to play fast. I mean, that's something that he values. I mean, how would you say that you, as a defender, value the simplicity in a defensive scheme and allowing you to play fast versus the complexity and maybe confusing offenses? Obviously, that's, that's a tricky balance. What do you think maybe your own personal preference or just defense in general is, is more valuable? Because it seems like Salah is of the school of thought, let's just keep it simple and let's play fast. I mean, I, I like that. I like, you know, you give us an opportunity to play fast. Um, I think we'll all benefit from it. You know, um, some schemes are meant to outsmart guys, um, the offenses and stuff like that. Like, you know, I thought Greg Williams scheme was good. You know, I mean, shoot, that was the fastest I ever played. You know, it moved me around a little bit outside, inside. You know, it helped with tilt of the formation. So, you know, we knew the ball being ran here. We were able to, you know, tilt adjust to go over there, you know, put more guys on that side, whatever it may be. I think certain things like that help, but, you know, there's still a level of like some of the stuff we, we could have played faster. And you, you turned on the San Fran's, uh, San Fran's uh, tape. And, and I mean, those guys are flying around, like flying off the, off the ball. You know, they're all having fun, making plays, you know, even guys who you may not even ever heard of, you know, out there making plays. And that's just that's the reality of, you know, that scheme that they're putting in. They're putting guys in good positions. Um, literally, I've talked to four or five people there and haven't heard one bad thing about it. Nobody, you know, so I'm looking forward to playing for these guys. I'm looking forward to getting back out there. You know, I thought about catching a flight just to go meet these guys, you know, like I just, I'm just ready. I don't know. I'm, I'm ready to get back going. And what are, what are some of the things that you are looking to improve this off season? Obviously there's new coaching staff coming in, new scheme that of course you'll probably learn more about in the next few months as you talk to them more, but in terms of your game individually, what are some of the things that uh, you're looking to improve on? Uh, I mean, one thing I, I have to get a, a better diet, you know, that type of thing. Um, I mean, 
it's it's hard because I play outside, inside. I got to find a good weight, you know, whatever they want me at. Um, but get that going and then, you know, just continue to get quicker, get stronger. Um, and, I, and I just want to see some of these blocking schemes a little bit more. So I think a lot of what I'll do is, you know, get with some of the offensive line around the league and talk to these guys, you know, run through some, you know, little fake block schemes, you know, just just to kind of see what I'm getting because playing it outside and inside, I mean, that's tough. It's tough going inside after being outside your whole life right. to understand all these different blocking schemes you could get, whether it be center block, back pull, you know, combo, screw block, fast zone this way, fast zone that way. Like, it's just... And it happens so so much quicker than the outside. So I just want to see that. I want to continue to progress, um, get with AD, um, work with Brock a little bit this offseason on some of that run stuff and get with AD to help my quickness and, you know, uh, suddenness. You know what I mean? You see him and how sudden he is, how, um, I mean, how determined he is, like, off, off the line of scrimmage. So, you know, I think that's some of the things I need to work on, but I got to get – I got to get to a correct weight, whatever they, that weight may be, and then just continue to get quicker, get faster, um, and a little stronger, I mean. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of interesting because you bring up your diet and your weight. I mean, what – I mean, that was what I was wondering is because you you transitioned – I mean, I don't want to say midseason, but basically it seems like right at the beginning of the year. Um, was this something that you knew going into the season that you were going to have to manage? I mean, obviously your weight. I mean, you want to be fast inside – um, but you don't want to be small. I mean, I don't think anybody's describing you as, as small, but you talk <laughs> about finding that ideal weight, um, but not losing your quickness. Um, is that just going to be a, a deliberate effort uh, this offseason? That's, that's going to be your main focus is what you're saying? Or is it one of those things where you can stick around where you are? It's just going to be more of, of clean up the diet a little bit and then work on the technique. I think I think it's actually getting to whatever. I don't even know what weight they want me at. You right. Know, so. It may be where I'm at right now. It may be lose 20 pounds. I don't care. Like I'm like so corner. Pissed. I don't look. I'll do whatever it takes. You know. So you know, uh, depending if they want me at 275, they want me at 295. Like whatever it may be, you know, I'm gonna do. Um, but you know, it's it's not even about you know what I'm what I'm doing wrong. It's just about making sure I'm doing everything right. You know. Um, and that's where you get to the the season, you get to the off season, and you want to you want to take your time off. You want to kind of play around, whatever it may be. I just know I'm starting soon, and you know whatever. I just want to be in the best shape of my life. I want to you know put some good stuff on film, get some wins, get to this championship, and, and hopefully yeah. get a coming up season. Yeah, I think we're focused on getting a win in September right now. Is is their number one goal, and then it's just it's every step. Um, is is going to be improvement. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing this unit. Last question: What was it like playing in front of no fans this season? I mean, obviously that seems like for a defensive guy. I mean, you're always, you know, focusing on pumping up the crowd, playing with that energy. Uh, how excited are you to play in front of fans next year um, for your first time, really, in in front of uh, in MetLife Stadium with fans? Yeah, I mean, it, it was different. Obviously, you know, I mean, wearing a mask in public every day is different. You know, right. so it's something that you kind of get used to. I mean, it is what it is. I, I don't too much enjoy it, but look, you tell me, my son, this is the way my son is gonna eat. Look, I'll play. I'll play in the parking lot. You know, I don't care how we gonna do it. We could do this or whatever, and that's the way I looked at. You know, 
by the time the, the ball kicked off, you get in the locker room before the game and stuff, like, it feels real, you know? Right. Despite what the fans and stuff like that, like, our guys are cheering for us. You know, some some stadiums had some fans in there. You know, those were right. obviously, those were the electric places because we're used to not hearing anything in the stands. So you could feed off another crowd's energy just as fast as your own because you're not used to hearing anything. Right. So um, I think, I mean, re, me, I'm looking forward to the Jets. You know, we got some good fans. We got some good traditions here. Uh, I'm just looking forward to it. You know, I, I mean, I keep talking about I'm ready for the season, but I can't even. It's, can't it even is decide. January. It is January. You have a little bit of time to, to get ready. Um, but John, it was, it, <laughs> it was an absolute, that's a great thing to hear. Uh, we're really excited because hopefully this time uh, next year, maybe we'll be still playing some football. We need some January football oh, uh, in, in the New York area. We had um, football this year. Oh, okay. The, uh, maybe late January, maybe a few weeks yeah. into January. Um, yeah. Hey, but I, I think, I think it's only up from here. Jets fans are clearly excited about the direction this team is headed in. Uh, and, and you seem to be a big part of it. Uh, even just in this interview, I think Michael and I can both tell that you're definitely uh, a perfect fit for this Jets culture. Um, so we really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to talk to us, break down some some of your film. Uh, let our listeners know where they can follow you. I was looking at your Twitter. I mean, Michael has more followers than you. John, I mean, you're one of the better players in this team. We need to get your Twitter follows up. Uh, shout it out and let our <laughs> listeners know where they can find you. Man, Twitter, J underscore Franklin Myers. Shoot, I'm on that uh, Instagram, same thing. No, man, follow me. I appreciate I appreciate this opportunity. I can't believe Michael got more followers than me. <laughs> I'm going to have to go buy some followers now. Now I feel, feel played now. I, I think this time next year, you'll, you'll surpass Michael. I think you're on your way to becoming a household name. The way you played this year, especially considering you barely played inside. Really looking forward to seeing what you can do with another year next to Quentin Williams. A fresh start under Robert Sala. Really excited about 2021. You can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter. You can actually unfollow Michael just so we can get the, the difference between John and, and Michael a little bit more even. But if you if you <laughs> yeah. do want to follow Michael, it's it's under Michael underscore Nania. Myself at Ben W. Blessington. John, you got me beat, so it's, it's okay. Um, you can find us <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to Jets podcasts, Jets X Factor. Um, so, yeah, John, thank you so much for, for coming on our show. Last thing, real quick, message to the fans, 30 seconds. What can we expect in 2021 from John Franklin Myers? Hey, John Franklin Myers, go out there, put some good stuff on tape, play hard for these guys, play hard for you guys. Man, I'm out here, shoot, doing whatever I can to help this team win, shoot, put some money in my pockets at the same <laughs> time, shoot, make y'all smile. Man, I appreciate the uh, opportunity. I appreciate the support, man. We're just going to get this thing rocking here soon. Hey, I think I think the goal is uh, 10 sacks, 10 wins, maybe maybe a $10 million contract. I mean, I think hey. that's, that's the goals right there. And then, <laughs> hey, it's done. Shoot. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. Only a few more months to go, but John Franklin Myers is already ready to play some football. Has to work quickly. Yes, six seconds. Car going down again. And it's Quinton Williams this time for the Jets. Likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims.